بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محتثاتها وكل محتثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار So in today's uh, lesson we start a new uh, lecture given by Sheikh Ubaid Hafizahullah and the title of this lecture is نعيم القبر نعيم القبر وعذابه which is the bliss, the bliss of the grave, the bliss or the reward of the grave and its punishment, and its punishment. So this issue here is from the affairs of the unseen, from the ghaib, from the unseen that we cannot directly see or experience as we are in this world. And before we commence with uh, the Sheikh's lecture, short lecture, short admonition, I want to speak about the issue of belief, belief in the unseen in general. Al-Imanu Bil-Ghayb. And this is because, obviously we are living in a time uh, where you have these uh, philosophies and ideas uh, such as uh, materialism, materialism. You know, these are theories that the people of disbelief they uh, have devised or they've concocted, and they use them to uh, justify their their disbelief, their atheism. And so, keeping that in mind, and keeping in mind the fact that we, as as believers, from the greatest or from the very first qualities mentioned in the Quran is that we believe in the unseen. Alif Lam Mim, Dalik Al Kitab, La Riba Fi, Hudan Lil Muttaqin. Al Ladina Yu'minuna Bil Ghayb. So the very first description or the quality of the believers in the Quran is that they believe in the unseen right and this is from this is from you know intelligence this is from a sense that that you believe in that which you cannot directly perceive right because in creation there's more than what any one of us can simply perceive with his eyes or with his ears or with his smell or with his touch right so to believe in the unseen is from you know, from, from reason to do that, because most of our knowledge that we get does not come directly from our own physical senses, right? This applies to everybody. All the knowledge that you hold, the vast majority of that knowledge did not come to you through your own physical senses. It came through other things, right? Obviously through akhbar, which is the major thing. Akhbar meaning reports, from the reports of others. So, because this is an issue where, for example, the, the, the people of kufr, the people of disbelief, you know, they may mock the believer or they may mock the people of iman and they may say, well, you, you believe in fairy tales, you believe in this, you believe in that. Alright? But when we believe, when we say, when we believe in the unseen, we are believing in everything that exists and from that, in fact, in the Qur'an, which is where I want to uh, move into, uh, the, the Qur'an describes or divides the whole of everything which exists into two categories. Right? It is either the ghaib, the ghaib, or it is the shahada. Right? So this is the description of the Qur'an of whatever exists. All that exists, including Allah Azza Right? It is either the ghaib or it is the shahada. 
The ghayb meaning that which we can't see. And the shahada, that which we can see. Right? So in the Quran, Allah he says, ذَلِكَ عَالِمُ الْغَيْبِ وَالشَّهَادَةِ الْعَزِيزُ الرَّحِيمُ Surah Sajda. That is the Noah, meaning speaking about Allah, the Noah, the one who knows. The ghayb, the unseen, and the shahada, that which is observed and witnessed. And there are, this this occurs like this alimul ghaybi wa shahada occurs ten times in the Quran in ten different verses. And also alimul ghaybi la yudhiru ala ghaybihi ahada. The knower of the unseen, he does not make manifest his unseen to anybody. Illa malir tada mir rasul, except for the one whom he's pleased from amongst a messenger. Right? So in the Qur'an, the description of everything that exists, or, or the, the, the categorization of everything which exists, is either it is from the ghayb, or it is from the shahada. Right? Why is this important for us to know? Because we are, we are now entering into some very, very important uh, questions about what exists and how do we gain knowledge of that right this is a very very important issue right what exists what's out there and how do we acquire knowledge of that right these are two issues which many many people of philosophy in the past and in the present they speak about and they made great mistakes in fact this is the very topic these are the very topics that Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah he's discussing these very things in his books when he's refuting either the philosophers or the people of Kalam right, the, the Ash'aris Maturidis, the Jahmiyyah and people, because they made tremendous mistakes in these topics, right? So there's two things. One is, what's out there? What is out there? Right? In, in, in English, they use, we don't need to use these, you know, we don't use these philosophical terms, but they have a, they have, they have labels for these things, right? This is called ontology. Ontology. Right? O-N-T-O-L-O-G-Y. Ontology. Which simply means, what's out there? What exists? What is its reality? What is, what is its nature? What's out there? And the second thing is, how do you acquire knowledge of that? What's the route to acquiring knowledge of that? And again, they have these terms in, in you know, they call it epistemology, which is, you know, what's the route through which you acquire knowledge? Right? But these two questions, they, obviously, they are important for us as believers because we need to know what exists, what's out there, what's out there, right? And also, how do we acquire knowledge of what is out there, right? So the, these are two important questions. We we have to make sure that we are, you know, very clear about these things, so that we don't go astray, uh, like the philosophers like the materialists, unlike many from those who ascribe to Islam, like the people of Kalam, they, they also erred in these issues as well. So, so I want to speak a little bit about this before we come into discussing the bliss and the punishment of the grave, because that is from the unseen. It's from the unseen. But I want to mention some general principles or general points on this topic, which basically it's overwhelmingly discussed by Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah. And uh, so, okay, I mentioned very briefly the first question, what is out there? What's out there? Right? So the Qur'an has divided what is out there into two categories. Right? It is either from the ghayb, from that which we cannot see, or it is from the shahada. 
that which we can see, that which we can observe. That's briefly. I'm going to come back to this inshallah. I'm going to come back to this uh, shortly. The second question, which is, how do we know, how do we know what is out there? As in, what's the roots of knowledge? How do we acquire knowledge? And basically, there are, there are three three levels or three roots, right? The first one is al-his, al-his. Al-his means sensory perception, right? So this is the vision. I can see you all. I can see each one of you. Each one is a separate entity. I can see with my eyes, right? I can hear. I can hear someone speaking, right? That's sensory perception. I have the sense of touch. Well, I know this This is obviously, it's there, you know. Um, and, and the same with, you know, everything else with touch. And then the smell. And, um, you know, taste, right? This is what we call sensory perception. And this can be zahir. It can be outward, Right? So outward from myself, so I can perceive this, I can I can touch this, and I can there's a texture of the carpet there, and I can smell, you know. This is how I know that there's something out there, right? But also, if you have feelings and emotions, you experience and feel those emotions as well. Right? So this now is this is like within the body. So you experience joy, you experience fear. Right? You have these internal feelings which you can experience. They are, they are true and they are real, right? Okay. So, this is the first way through which we can know things. That we can know what's out there. The second way is by way of reason, al-aqal. By reasoning. Right? And reason itself the reason, the aql that we have itself, it falls into two categories. Right? The first one is what's called Badihat Dharuriya. Badihat Dharuriya. This is something that really comes from the fitra. Right? It comes from the fitra. And it means like the most basic elementary principles which we know to be true which we don't need to think about but we know they are true right and these come from the fitra for example i know that something can't be in two places at the same time i know this bottle is here i know it can't be outside right and this is something known even by a child a baby right a child or a baby you can see from from instinct when it's looking for a, for a toy that's over there, it always goes to that toy. It never thinks, you know what, it's in, it could be in two places at the same time. Because it instinctively knows that's not true. Right? Right? So there are certain things that we, that we know, we, they, they instinctively, they are true. This, this comes from the fitra itself. Right? And reason itself is built upon the fitra. Right? So that's one of two. Badihad, Dharuriya. And the other way from reason is where we basically, we reflect, we look, and we make analogies, and we, you know, we, 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 we learn about the world. We use reason to learn about the world, right? So we, so we look at things by way of our senses, and um, we look at uh, things that happen, events that take place, relationships, and you know, we, we, we then use our reason to then figure out more things than what we just know by the physical senses. Right? This is the use of reason. This is what we call Al-I'tibar bin nazar wal qiyas. Right? Meaning that we, that we look, we make analogies and we reflect and then we acquire knowledge about the world around us. Right? Which is more than just what we you know, through through the through you know through the, the the vision of the eyes or of the hearing, right? So this now is reason, akal. This is another route to gaining knowledge of what's out there, what's out there, right? 
So, let me give an example to illustrate this. Like, imagine you have um, something, a device, and you know you you switch it on, and you point it to you know the the um, you know the carpet there, and it starts burning. It starts burning. Right now, you know that you can't see whatever it is. We we we, we can't see anything. We can see that it started burning. And we can see that it correlates with whatever device it is, you know, some laser or something like that. So therefore, we know by reason, we know by reason that there's got to be something going on, right, between between this and that, that that's causing the fire, right? There's something has to be there, right? So this is what I mean, that, that you know, you have al-his, first of all, then the second one is reason, the use of reason. And reason itself is of two types. The third way of acquiring knowledge, the third way of acquiring knowledge is al-khabar. Al-khabar. The third route to knowledge is al-khabar, which is reports. Truthful reports. And this is something that the people of disbelief, that they would reject this. But truthful reports, a khabar, sadiq, is a, a true and valid root of knowledge. And this includes revelation from Allah Azawajal. Right? It is, it is a truthful report. And we can gain knowledge about the seen and the unseen from revelation. Right, so all of this is to do with how do we acquire knowledge of things. Very clear now, right? So now you have a basic framework. What's out there? What's out there? Tell me, what's what's out there? What are the two categories? Right, obviously there's things that come under each category. But there's al-ghayb, that we can't see. And there is al-shahada, that we can see. Right, and then in terms of how do we acquire knowledge about things, then it is by way of number one, what's the first one? Al-his, which is just the physical senses. The physical senses, you know, we know things are out there, we can feel, perceive, experience, we know, you know, there's entities, you know, there's, there's a person, there's a tree, there's this or whatever, we can see all that, there's, you know, the, 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 the clouds, everything, we can see that. The second thing is a reason, al-aqal, and this, there are two levels of this. The first one is basic elementary principles that we know instinctively they are true. Right? This is something which is from the fitra that Allah has put in every child, every person. We know instinctively they are true. And this is basically what the basis of all science really stems from. Right? It actually comes from sound principles of the fitra, right? And then you have reason, uh, where you use a reflection, you look at things and you uh, make observations and you make rational deduction, you use your mind to understand things and then you gain more knowledge, right? This is from reason. And the third is khabar, which is the report. The report. Right, which we, which, and most of our knowledge comes from reports. Most of the knowledge you hold in your head right now did not come from your own experience. It has come from the reports from other people. Right? And it's impossible for a person with his own physical senses to go and learn about everything that's out there. Right? Has anybody, you know, has anybody been to China here? Has anybody not been to China? Okay, how do you know China exists? Well, you've never been there. You've never flown over it. All you've heard people saying for hundreds of years, there's a place over in the East called China. Right? And most of the knowledge you have has come through akhbar, through reports. Right? So these are the ways about, about how we know what's out there. Right? So the first question is, what's out there? And the second question is, how do we acquire knowledge of what is out there. Okay. Right, so so now, how many points have we mentioned so far? We said, first of all, that from the first qualities of the believer, described in the Qur'an, is 
that they believe in the unseen. Right? That they believe in the unseen. This is in the Quran. Alladina yu'minuna bil ghaib. This is the first quality mentioned about the believers in the Quran. The second thing that we said is that in terms of what's out there, right, is divided into the ghaib and the shahada. That which is unseen and that which is seen. The third thing that we said is what are the roots to knowledge of what's out there, right? And it is either it is his, which is sensory perception, or it is reason, or it is a truthful report, right? A truthful report, right? These are three points, all that clear. The next point is very important to understand, is that we have to make a distinction between what exists in your mind only, and what exists outwardly as in and is real. Yes? So, there's that thing which is fil adhan, that which exists only in your mind, and that which exists actually external to your mind, it's true and real, it has a true and real existence. Right. The reason why this is very important is because if you do not distinguish between these two things, you're going to start believing in things which are not true. Right? This is what happened to the people of philosophy, the Greek philosophers. And it's what, 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 what's happening today with the scientists today as well. Right? Where you imagine something in the mind, you think, oh, this, this is mathematically, this is proven. But in physical reality, you've got no proof for it. You just think it exists in the mind, right? You understand? Right? So, so to distinguish between what the mind thinks of, and which is only just a mental concept or a mental idea, and between what actually is out there. They are not the same thing. Do you understand? Like for example, in the mind, many more things can exist that actually exist. Right? I'm going to give you some examples now of, of what this means. Right, so, so in terms of what's out there, like if I said to you, if I said to you, um, if I said to you, uh, mercy, ar-rahmah, ar-rahmah, is it a thing? Is it a thing out there, like the bottle, right? Like the microphone, like you know, a bag. Is is it a person, or is mercy a notion, a mental idea in the mind that we that we that we uh, have? When we look at things that take place externally, which of the two is it? Sorry? Which is in the mind, right? It's a notion in the mind, right? Because you don't see, you can't say, look, there's mercy. I saw mercy, you know, in the park yesterday. You don't speak like that because this is a mental notion in the mind, right? So there are many things which are only mental ideas. So we make a distinction between that and between what's actually out there. What's out there and which is, which is what we call an aynun. Aynun mean an entity. Right? Or something which is qa'imun binafsihi. Which is a standalone entity, right? This is a standalone entity. It's different to the pen, right? This is a standalone entity. Meaning its existence is separate and distinct from this thing here. Right? So, so we have to make this distinction that Things exist either as a concept in the mind or they exist outside of the mind. Right? If I said to you, if I, if I imagine in my mind an elephant that can fly, you know, a thousand miles per hour, I can think of that in my mind, but does it, does it actually exist? No, does it exist? No, it doesn't exist. Right? This mistake where you think that what the mind thinks of somehow must be real outside of the mind is a mistake that many philosophers and even scientists today, this is a mistake that they make, right? 
And on the basis of that, they are led to tremendous errors, tremendous mistakes, by not distinguishing between what's in the mind only and what actually exists outside of the mind. Right? And this is the, one of the ways that the people of, of you know, the atheism, materialism, uh, scientists, philosophers today, they, they play this trick. Right? Where whatever the mind tries to conceive or think of, and they do that in science, they do that in, you know, in physics, they do that in many different sciences. And then they, they, sometimes they, they themselves are mistaken. They, they don't realize that this is a mistake they are making. And other times they, um, you know, deliberately play these tricks to make you believe something that is not really true and out there. This happens a lot in, in physics, in particle physics and things like that. Right? They, they do equations on paper and they think, oh, we, these equations tell us that the, there has to be a particle out there. This type of particle, whatever. They've got, they've got no knowledge, no evidence, no way to detect it, no, nothing at all. But it's just that, you know, based upon um, the, the mathematics, they believe it must be out there. And then they go on a wild goose chase for, you know, and spend billions of dollars and they don't, you know, find anything. Right? So this mistake of not distinguishing between what the mind thinks of and what's actually out there is very important to, to, to understand that difference. Right? So we differentiate, point number four, we differentiate between the mind, what it thinks, and what's actually true and real, what actually exists. Okay, so now we need to give some examples. Right, so from, from, from what's out there, there is the ghaib and the shahada. Right? I want you to give me examples of what is from the shahada. Huh? Huh? Yeah, like... The, the heavens, the earth, the stars, the sun, the moon, the trees, the mountains, humans, right? All of these are things that we experience, we can see, and they are what we call perceptible. These are things which are perceptible. That you can um, uh, perceive them with the senses, right? There are also some things which would be included in this category. Because remember I said to you before that not only is, is the shahada like things outside of your body, but you yourself, you can feel your emotion of love, yes. You feel the emotion of fear, yes. You can feel and perceive it. You experience it, don't you, right? And you experience joy, and you experience uh, apprehension. These things which are inside your body, joy, anger, things like that, these are also from the shahada, right? But... This is a different category. It's not something that you see with your eyes. It's not something that you hear with your hearing. It's not something that you taste. It's not something that you touch. Right? But this is an inner experience of the body that you know is true and real and exists. Right? So, because there's obviously there's a soul. So, from the shahada, is you, you know that there's a soul inside of you which animates your body, which gives life to your body, right? And also from, included in this category is also, is Allah not in the sense that we are seeing Allah Himself, but in the sense that we can see His handiwork, right? And inwardly in the fitrah, we know that through the shahada, that Allah you know, exists, although we can't actually see Him uh, directly, Right, so this is what we mean from the shahada, Any, anything that's directly, you know, observable. On the other hand, that which is from the ghaib, that which we can't see, we can't see. Right, this is anything that we cannot see in this world. It doesn't mean that it cannot be seen. It just means that we can't see in this world. Right. So in this, examples of this would be Allah Azawajal, we can't see Allah, paradise, hellfire. These things are actually true and real and they exist, right? How do we know this? From Al-Khabar, from a truthful report. And the angels and the jinn, we can't see the angels, we can't see the jinn. These are true and real beings and entities which exist. And 
they are made out of you know uh, we we are made uh, from from clay and dust and, and the minerals therein along with other things water and other things the angels are made of light and the jinn are made of the you know smokeless part of the of the fire but we can't we can't really see them we can't see them it's not that they can't be seen it's that in this life we are not able to see them right and you know also you also know that even amongst allah's creation there are some creatures that can hear things that we are unable to hear that's true isn't it yes true the, 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 the dogs and things like that they can hear things that we can't hear likewise there are things that can smell things that we can't smell and likewise there are certain types of birds for example who have a type of vision it's like a telescopic topic vision they can see a prey from like miles away we can't see that right so even within this creation in what allah has created what is ghaib is relative from creature to creature and even person to person right because the ghaib is relative in this room what's behind me in that room is from the ghaib right and likewise what's what's over there in china is from the ghaib because i can't see it and likewise paradise and hellfire this is from the ghaib it's all relative so so allah azawajal is the alimul ghaibi washhada he is the knower of all of that all of what exists alimul ghaibi washhada and so allah knows all of that but you know obviously from from our point of view um we can only we can only see that which you are which we are able to see and as for those things that uh the ghaib the ghaib is only temporary right it's only temporary and there's a point beyond which all of the limitations in our seeing and hearing they will be gone this will be on yawmul qiyamah yawmul qiyamah or when you enter into the barzakh after death after death right the distinction between the ghaib and the shahada will be gone and thereupon you will be able to be, be able to see things perceive things that you are not able to see and perceive now in fact even in the life of this world there are examples of this like for example if you if you took an infrared light and you shine it on a surface you can see things that you can't see with the vision of the eyes yes this is an example in the life of this world and so after death and on yawmul qiyamah there will be and allah knows best how you know allah will change and alter things that where the, where where the ghaib will no longer be from the ghaib right so we will be able to see things and perceive things that we were not able to see and perceive in the life of this world right and this is when we will have ilmul yaqeen or ainul yaqeen right in the quran there's a type of knowledge which is ilmul yaqeen right where you know something is true but then there is ainul yaqeen
Okay, so this is really point five and six that we gave examples of the ghaib, we gave examples of the shahada, the unseen and the seen, and we mentioned that there will come a time when the distinction will be gone. Right? So what is ghaib will no longer be from the ghaib. And, you know, when a person enters the grave and the soul departs from the body, right, there's a, a new type of perception and awareness where certain realities will become evident. And likewise, on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, you know, paradise, hellfire, and in many other things, they, they, you will see them to be true and to be to be real and to be to be actual. So there's a point when that distinction will uh, will be gone. So all of this, what I mentioned here, really, is just uh, to help us understand some of these important issues. Uh, they are dealt with in some detail in the books of you know Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and others and he's discussing the mistakes made by the people of philosophy in the past but they are but they are, are the same mistakes which are made by people today as well in fact not only just the people of philosophy and science but also there are people of other religions right they make mistakes in this field, because it's to do with, you know, like like we said, um, feelings that you have, you experience certain feelings, and the way you interpret those feelings, right? How do you interpret? What do they refer to? What do they relate to? And so you'll see some people speaking about, yes, you know, there's a I merged with a higher consciousness, and you know, sometimes they can't tell whether you know uh, are they possessed by a jinn. Or have they opened up their body to for, for a jinn to enter? And this is why you see many of these people, like you know, they have these uh, seances, right, where they where they uh, try to connect with with the spirits and things like this. And so these shiatin, they 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 play with their minds and they play with their feelings, and then they believe things which are not really true. Right, and they start building ideas and concepts and even whole religions on the back of these experiences, right? So, I want to just very briefly introduce some of these principles here, just, you know, so we put into context this, this topic that we are discussing about the grave and about the soul when it leaves the body, right? And what happens after death, right? So, six points, just, you know, as a framework for now. The first description of the believers in the Quran in the very second or third verse is that they believe in the unseen. In fact, there is no person on this earth except that he believes in the unseen. This is an absolute reality. No person can escape from believing in something from the unseen. Right? Even the atheist, even nobody can escape ex- escape this. Right? That, that they believe something they can they cannot prove. With, with, with the senses, that's number one. Number two, the whole of existence is divided in the Quran into the ghaib and the shahada, the unseen and the, and, and, and the seen, right? And all of this is relative. This is relative. Allah Azawajal is alimul ghaibi wa shahada. He knows everything that exists. As for us, what is the seen? What is the unseen? It is relative. We cannot see the jinn. We cannot see the angels. The jinn can see us, but there's some things that they cannot see. Right? And likewise, there are, there are animals that can see things that other animals can, cannot see. There are some animals that can, through sound, can see things that others cannot see. All of this varies. Allah has created different you know, entities and beings and give them different levels of the ability to see and perceive. Right? So... All of the of existence is either the ghaib or the shahada. Number three, how do we acquire knowledge of that? Three roots. Number one is al-his, by sensory perception. Number two is by reason. By reason, right? Elementary principles from the fitrah, and then just investigation and, and reason and deduction. And thirdly, it is al-khabar, which is the most important here, which is reports from other people. Most of our knowledge that we hold in our head has come through reports from other people. Right? And that's, that's a valid 
correct, truthful source of information, so long as the, the transmission is, is you know, reliable and true. Fourth point, I said, that it's important to distinguish between what the mind thinks of and what's actually out there physically. It's not the same thing, right? Because the mind can think of many ideas, concepts and things, some of which might be impossible, some of which don't even exist. But what's actually out there is something else. And uh, fifthly, we said, or we gave examples of the ghayb and the shahada. And sixthly, we said that in the hereafter or when a person dies, that distinction will be gone and a person will be able to see more things than they are able to perceive in the life of this world, right? So from those things which enter into the unseen is the grave. And when you're buried in the grave and when the soul is removed from you and obviously your body uh, dies and it starts to perish. And so there is you know, a, a period of time that you are in what we call the barzakh. The barzakh is a partition. It's the intermediate stage between this world and the hereafter when everybody is resurrected and when there will be true justice and there will be recompense and reward, right, for a person's deeds. So the Sheikh mentioned a hadith and this hadith is in uh, Sahih al-Bukhari from the Prophet who said, إِذَا وُدِئَتِ الْجَنَازَةِ فَاحْتَمَلَهَا الرِّجَالِ عَلَىٰ أَعْنَاقِهِمْ فَإِنْ كَانَتْ صَالِحَةً قَالَتْ قَدِّمُونِي قَدِّمُونِي وَإِنْ كَانَتْ غَيْرَ صَالِحَةً قَالَتْ يَا وَيْلَهَا أَيْنَ يَذْهَبُونَ بِهَا Right, so this is a khabar. It is a truthful report which has come to us by trustworthy, truthful, reliable people whose names that we know we, we know the name of every person, right? From Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, who wrote this down, from his narrator, from his narrator, from his narrator, going all the way back to the Messenger of Allah Wasallam, Right? This is a truthful report through truthful people going all the way back to a messenger from the messengers of Allah Azza And in this report, we are told that when the janazah when a person dies and uh, the janazah is carried, people carry the, 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 the dead person you know, on, on their shoulders in the coffin. And if the soul is a righteous soul, so the soul is a true and real thing by the way, right? The soul, when you are alive in your body, there is a nafs or a ruh. But this ruh which animates your life, and, and, and gives your, your physical body life, it is a true and a real entity. It can be taken out of the body. And it is a true and real entity, right? So the soul is a true and real thing. So it says, if it's a, if it's a righteous soul, it says, قَدِّمُونِي قَدِّمُونِي It says, hasten me, hasten me. You know, bring me forward, bring me forward. And if it is a non-righteous soul, it says, يَا وَيْلَهَا it says, Woe be to this soul. Where are they going with it? Where are they going with it? Right? So we're going to discuss this hadith or this truthful report. The first point that Sheikh Ubaid mentions is basically a grammatical point. It's a point of grammar. Right? Which is simply that, that the soul that is evil, when it... When it says, you know, Ya Wailaha Aina Yadhabuna Biha, it is speaking in the third person. It's not speaking about itself. Right? The righteous soul says, Qaddimuni Qaddimuni, which means hasten me, hasten me. But the evil soul, it says, Woe be to that soul. Where are they taking it? But it's referring to itself. Right? So instead of saying, Ya Waili, woe be to me. Ya Waili. It says, Ya Wailaha. Aina Yadhabuna Biha. Right? So it's speaking about itself in the third person. And this is just like a grammatical issue. Um, it's, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's just a grammatical uh, way that the hadith, you know, that's been mentioned in the hadith. The Shaykh just mentions this point. Anyhow, moving on. The Shaykh says that this hadith 
is from the knowledge that Allah gave to His Messenger. This is knowledge of the unseen. Allah is Alimul Ghaybi wa Shahada. Allah is the knower of all of the unseen and the seen. So He gave this knowledge of what happens after death, after the soul has been removed to the Messenger of Allah. And He informed us that this is the first stage after death that leads us to the hereafter. And this is known as the Barzakh. The Barzakh. The Barzakh is an intermediate stage between this world and the hereafter. And so he says that this is the first experience that a Muslim or any person who dies, this is his first experience or interaction with the day of judgment, the final day. Right? It's the first interaction. And for each person, the day of judgment begins at the point of death. That is the commencement for that person with the road to the day of judgment, right? His, his qiyamah starts at that point. And um, up until that point, every single person has the opportunity to repent and to turn to Allah and to die upon Islam, and to die upon Tawheed, and to die upon the truth, right? So long as the soul has not completely left the body. And this is why, this is why we see in another hadith, in which the Messenger of Allah, he said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَقْبَلُ تَوْبَةَ الْعَبْدِ مَا لَمْ يُغَرْغِرْ Indeed, Allah will accept the repentance of uh, the servant, so long as, meaning the death rattle has not begun. Meaning when the soul is about to be, is being taken out of the body at the actual point of death. So there's a numerous points here, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, pause on, on this uh, hadith and the previous hadith. First of all here, we know that the soul, as I mentioned, the soul is a true and real thing. Right? It is a standalone entity. It can be taken out of the body. As for when it is in the body, you know, we, we don't know its reality. Some people ask the Messenger of Allah about the soul. Yes, alunaka anirruh. Right? min amri rabbi. They ask you about the soul. Say, the soul is from the affair of my Lord. Wama utitum min al ilmi illa qalila. And you have not been given of knowledge except little. So we don't really know the reality of the soul. But we know that there is a soul which basically they, it, it animates the body and it gives the body uh, life. And the second point about this is really that this is one of the uh, arguments or proofs for the existence of Allah and that his creation cannot be mimicked. Right? Allah he said in the Quran, uh, Am ja'alu lillahi shuraka, khalaqu ka khalqihi, fatashabahal khalqu alayhim. Right? Have they partners with Allah who have created with the likes of his creation? Such that the creation has become confusing to them. Right? The meaning here is, the meaning here is, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. If you, if you look at the way that uh, these people are trying to use, for example, let's say, artificial intelligence, robotics, and, you know, they're trying to use all of these disciplines together to try and create like a human looking or appearing robot. Right. Does this equal what Allah has created? What's what's missing in, 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 in these things? You can clearly see what's missing. Right? The soul. You know the soul. Right? You can see that it's it's not, not real and not it's just machinery, electrics, it's you know uh, pre programmed, it's the knowledge and intelligence of intelligence of other people which is programmed into the electronics and it has to have a battery and but you can see that, like, 
they, they're trying to compete with Allah's creation. But there's no comparison. There's absolutely no comparison. Right? And you can see what they are missing is they are missing this soul, which is what animates a being, what animates a body. Right? And so they cannot create a soul. They cannot create, you know, they, they, they can't create a soul. And so their, their ability or their attempt to try and mimic the creation of Allah, they will never succeed. Right? You can see that they're trying to mimic all sorts of things like maybe a small fly or maybe, you know, uh, uh, robots of various types. But they cannot animate and give life to a thing in the way that Allah Azawajal, you know, He puts a soul into a fetus after 120 days and the fetus becomes animated and it develops into like actual life. It has a conscience, it has a fitrah. It has, you know, an instinct, right? Whereas what they are creating, you can see that it's like, it's, you know, it's not, it's not really real. It's, it's like trying to mimic and trying to copy Allah's creation, but it's not really the same thing. And that's because they cannot breathe a soul into electronics, nor can you take a soul out there because there's not there to begin with, right? So they will never ever be able to resemble or to mimic or to reproduce what Allah has created. And this is an argument for the existence of Allah. Right? One of the one of the arguments that if you believe that there's no creator, then create what, what you see then. Create even a fly, right? Create a fly that can reproduce. I mean how are they going to uh, make robots reproduce on their own? You you can't. So you can't you can't resemble and mimic and reproduce the creation of Allah. So if you are unable to do so and you've used all your knowledge, expertise, knowledge of so many disciplines, knowledge of so many sciences, the brains of like thousands of, of you know educated people, and you still cannot reproduce what Allah has created, right? Then know that there is, you know, behind this creation, there is one who knows, one who wills, one who has wisdom, one who has power. This cause, this, this is, you know, you cannot deny this. This is, this is true and real. So this is one of the ways, one of the many ways in the Quran for the proof that there is a creator and a Lord. Right? So that's point number two. The soul, they cannot create a soul with which to animate things and to give them life. Right? Like how Allah does. The third point is about the soul is that this is also from the unseen. That the soul also has a connection to the unseen. For example, when we sleep at night, we know the soul leaves the body. We enter into the realm of dreams. And in the realm of dreams, you know, things uh, happen. And you have certain experiences. And uh, this, as the scholars like Ibn al-Qayyim, he mentioned in his book, Kitab al-Ruh and others, that there is some truth, that there's truth and reality to this. That the soul does leave partially the body when it's asleep. And it enters into a realm. And within that realm, you have, exp- meaning dreams, and you have interactions. And within that realm, there is, like, there is, there is, a, there is truthfulness in that, although we are not able to understand it. Right? Because we, we don't know the unseen. We, we haven't experienced the unseen. Right, so this issue of the soul and sleep is is one of the windows and doorways into that. Although we don't have all of the full knowledge of all of the realities of that, is still largely from the uh, from the unseen. Anyhow, those just a few points to do with the issue of the of the soul uh, at the point of death. And so the Sheikh goes on to say that the point being from this hadith is that. A person when he's alive, he has all the time in the world to repent and, you know, to, to, uh, repent from his, uh, sins and mistakes and evils up until the point of when the soul is going to leave the body. At that point, it is too late. Right? From, from that point, the affair has ended and it's finished. And, you know, every person was given ample opportunity uh, by way of the fitra, the, the intuition he has, by way of 
the reason and by way of the revelation that was sent to him to guide his fitra and to guide his reason to that which is true, which is to single out Allah in worship and to obey his command, do that which is commanded and keep away from that which is prohibited. So this hadith that Sheikh Ubaid mentioned at the beginning here, this hadith and many others, they are a clear evidence for the punishment of the grave and its bliss and its reward. And this knowledge of what happens in the grave, this knowledge was conveyed to the Messenger of Allah and he has in turn conveyed it to us in order to admonish us. And in order to, you know, to uh, as an ibrah, as a maw'idha, as, as an admonishment, as a lesson, as something to think about, something to reflect. And so any person, obviously when, when we learn about these realities of the unseen, then a person who is a person of guidance, a person of piety, a person of rectitude, he will look forward and anticipate this bliss or this reward which Allah has prepared for those people who you know follow the truth and follow right guidance and you know to, to paradise eventually. And in this respect there is another hadith in which Allah says hadith Qudsi فَقْرَأُوا إِنْ شِئْتُمْ فَلَا تَعْلَمُ نَفْسٌ مَا أُخْفِيَ لَهُمْ مِنْ قُرَّةِ أَعْيُنْ I have prepared for my servants, righteous servants, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard of, and which has never occurred in the heart of any man, which has never been imagined. So read from the Qur'an if you wish. And he mentions the verse in Surah Sajda. A soul does not know what it has, what has been hidden from it of the pleasure of the eye, meaning in paradise on the day of judgment. There are many, many things which have been hidden from us whose realities we do not know of the reward and the bliss and, you know, all of the, 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 the enjoyments. We cannot fathom them. We cannot understand them because we've never seen their like and We've never imagined anything like that, right? All of that is hidden away from the believer, which he will be rewarded with on the day of judgment. So the shaykh goes on to say, a believer, he when, when, when he is told of these things from the unseen, right? This is why we are informed about these things of the unseen, of paradise, of hellfire, that there are angels, that there are jinn, that there is the barzakh, that something happens in the grave. There's another realm that the soul leaves the body. Right? We have been given a certain amount of knowledge of these truths and these realities which are of benefit to us. And there are other things which are just pure suspicion and pure conjecture. And pre- We've got no knowledge of those things. right? And we can't conjecture about those things because we would never ever acquire knowledge of, of, of those things. But nevertheless... This knowledge has been conveyed from the unseen through truthful reports so that we have enough knowledge of these realities which exist out there that motivate us, uh, that give us certainty and that you know make us uh, pursue the truth and to have certainty. So the Sheikh says, a believer, he looks at these texts and they motivate him to uh, follow the, the, the way of the, the pious people and you know he prepares himself for this bliss and he does that by doing what Allah commanded and keeping away from Allah prohibited and so he does all of this out of firm iman and expectation of reward and with the intention of seeking nearness to Allah right so he leaves all of the, the sins and the corrupt actions the evils and he does so seeking nearness to Allah, expecting his reward from Allah, and he strives against this soul, you know, uh, to this end. The Shaykh then goes on to say that uh, there are two parts to this hadith. The first part of this hadith that we mentioned at the very beginning about 
the body being carried in the coffin and how the soul, if it's righteous, so the first part of it is about the righteous soul. And whether it's a male or a female and um, what happens is at the point of death, as the soul is being removed, that soul is given glad tidings. It is said, يَا أَيَّتُهَا النَّفْسُ الْمُطْمَئِنَّ إِرْجَعِي إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ رَاضِيَةٌ مَرْضِيَةٌ O soul that is tranquil, return to your Lord, pleased and you are, you know, and, ple- and, and uh, pleased with. Right? So this is the soul, the righteous soul. It is said to the righteous soul. So because the soul knows this, that's why it says, قَدِّمُونِي قَدِّمُونِي Hasten me, hasten me. This shows that the soul has the ability to, to uh, speak. It obviously is aware and conscious. And it is a true and real created thing. Obviously we don't understand it. We've got no knowledge of, of, of how it is. We, we, we just don't know how it is. Right? So this is why the soul says, قَدِّمُونِ قَدِّمُونِ Because it is given glad tidings when it is taken out. And which meaning, O soul, which is tranquil, come out to forgiveness from your Lord and His pleasure. Right? So the soul is told this and so therefore it says, قَدِّمُونِ قَدِّمُونِ the second part of the hadith is talking about the non-righteous person. And this person is the one who basically allowed his soul uh, to, to be uh, misled and to fall into uh, sins, to fall into deeds which are harmful, which are corrupt, to follow his lust, follow his desires. And until you know, he comes to death having been destroyed and ruined you know, by his deeds, so this person, he wants everything to be slowed down, right? He wants everything to be, you know, to, he, he's not, he doesn't like what's going to happen, what's going to come. And he hates it and dislikes it. So he wants, so he says, you know, Ya Wailaha, woe be to this soul. Where is it being taken to? What's going to happen to it? Because he doesn't want to meet the consequences. And he in the grave will be shown his place in the hellfire and he will then dislike meeting Allah and that's because he wasted his time on this earth and you know he, he uh, obeyed the inclinations and the whisperings of his soul that directed him to, to evil. And uh, shaitan basically proved true his word against him and misguided him. So these two examples mentioned to us here in this hadith about the righteous soul and the, 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 the evil, sinful soul, and what happens in the grave thereafter, this is from the knowledge of the unseen. And this has come to us by way of a truthful report. Khabar Sadiq. Right? This is not something that you can do experiments with and, and use the scientific method and to figure out if it's true or not. Because there are some things which are outside the realm of we can't discover these things. And these things these things are told to us by way of a khabar. A khabar, a truthful report. And this, this is how we know of, of these types of things which exist in the ghaib at this point, at this point in time. So when a person enters into the grave, then uh, obviously in the grave, a believer is shown a window and that is his place in paradise. And a disbeliever is opened a door or a window, and in that he sees his place in the hellfire. And so this is something, the proof for this is in the Qur'an, with respect to the people of Fir'aun. Because Allah Azza He said, النَّارُ يُعْرَضُونَ عَلَيْهَا غُدُوًا وَعَشِيًّا وَيَوْمَ تَقُومُ السَّاعَةِ أُدْخِلُوا آلَ فِرْعَوْنَ أَشَدَّ الْعَذَابِ the fire will they be subjected to morning and evening. And then on the day of the establishment of the hour, the people of Fir'aun will be entered into a severe punishment. Right? So here, there's what's in the grave. 
and is what happens on the day of judgment. And so this is a proof from the Quran when one of the numerous proofs from the Quran, Surah Ghafir, Surah uh, 40, verse number 46, that the scholars use as, as, as proof for the uh, what happens in the grave. There are other, other, other texts as well. And um, uh, what we'll do, inshallah, we'll, we'll stop the lesson. We almost finished, inshallah, we'll continue and finish this in the next lesson. But to conclude what we've discussed today, uh, this issue is to do with something from the affairs of the unseen, the ghayb, uh, which we are not able to directly experience, and which we only know by way of a truthful report. And this report and many others comes by way of the prophets and messengers of Allah Azawajal, and they are proven to be truthful, and they bring revelation from Allah, and uh, you know from from within that there is knowledge of what is out there that we cannot see from the unseen. These things are true and real, and from them is the issue of the grave and the soul, and what happens to to the, to the body and the soul, what happens in the grave, and so on and so forth. And so the Shaykh mentioned just one hadith in this regard. There are many, many other hadiths. And uh, we'll continue in the next lesson, inshallah, maybe mention another hadith there and conclude uh, the lesson after that, inshallah. Ta'ala. With that, we'll conclude today's lesson. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.